Two weeks ago, I had some uh, panic as I began preparing for today's story on John the Baptist. I thought, dear God, after 19 years of ministry and the 20th time now of looking at this story, is this going to be the year when I have absolutely nothing to preach? The stories of the Bible and the big story of God's coming to be with us in Jesus, it is true, never change. But we sure do. Because our world is always changing, because of the very particular kind of year our church just has had, because of the unique vulnerabilities and needs and challenges that we're each feeling in our own lives. And so after my initial panic, I soon began noticing some very new things. Praise God in this very, very old story. And so uh, it's such a relief to actually have a sermon to share with you this morning. (laughs) Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. And we thank you for your word which continues to speak to us, to rescue us, and reorient us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to participate in and to share with others in your very free flow of grace, which is saving us. We pray this through through Jesus. Amen. So as I was rereading and reading and rereading this story about John the Baptist, I felt my eye strangely being drawn to the place where his ministry takes place, to where he is and to where he is not. Location, location, location. Right at the very start of our story today, we learn that John's ministry begins way, way out in the wilderness. And so... We want to ask, what's this guy who was born on third base doing all the way out in the right field bleachers? John, you'll remember, is the miracle child of aging Elizabeth and Zechariah. He's born into a family of power, priestly power and prestige. His father, his dad is a priest who ministers in Jerusalem's temple and has access to God's presence like precious few others in the whole land. 
And the news, remember? The news of John's miracle birth. Where does it come? But to Zechariah, his dad, while he is ministering in the innermost sanctum of the temple. Location, location, location. And by the way, this is a once-in-the-lifetime privilege given to every priest. So the one time he goes near to the Holy of Holies is when he receives this news, this birth announcement. In other words, our dear John's life story begins in the holiest place in the whole Jewish cosmos. So what on earth is he doing all the way out beside the Jordan River 20 plus miles away? To take in the full shock value of John the Baptist's location today, I want to take you on a brief little tour of the Jerusalem temple. So I invite you to open up your bulletins to that insert Dear friends, behold, the temple of John's day. Notice, I mean, just take a look at this. What what do you feel here? This whole 34-acre complex is one massive complex of dividing walls. These walls protect courtyards that become ever more sacred and restricted as we move from the outside inward toward the holy of holies of God's presence at the center. Number one. Are you with me? Now, if you should happen to be non-Jewish, which... I think most of us are disabled, menstruating, a sexually non-conforming eunuch of illegitimate birth, or working in an unclean profession like a shepherd, we are all banned from all but the outermost courtyards of this complex. Look at number five. On pain of death, we are only allowed to worship God in what is placed in the place called the court of the Gentiles, with all the noisy animal hawkers and money changers. You can't see them there, but we know from another story. Now, if you should happen to be a Jewish woman... You're allowed to draw a bit closer to God in the court of the women, number four. If you should happen to be a Jewish male, you're allowed to get even a little bit closer to God in the court of the Israelites. If you should happen, number three. If you should happen to be a Jewish priest you're allowed to further approach God in the court of the priests, number two. 
And right at the very center of the temple complex is the Holy of Holies, number one, where God is believed to be most fully present. And it's right near here that John's birth is announced to Zechariah. So surely our dear John now has a ticket to ride, right? Don't we expect him now to leverage this kind of story? I mean, who has this kind of story? Maybe into a cherished spot on the Sanhedrin Council? Or maybe even to become the high priest himself someday? So what on earth is John doing 20 plus miles away from the Holy of Holies, a whole dangerous and dusty day's journey away from Jerusalem out in the wilderness by the Jordan River? Friends, if, if the temple were here in Lancaster City, that means that John would be all the way out in Coatesville. Dear friends, what John is doing is completely subverting the whole temple religious industrial complex that measures out access to God with an eyedropper based on who you are, how worthy you supposedly are, and how much you can pay for the necessary sacrifices. He is blowing up the whole purity system of classifications, boundaries, and dividing walls. And dear friends, this picture, I believe, is not just a picture of Jewish religion. It's a picture of every religion, including our own, when we restrict access to God and start dispensing God's grace and forgiveness with an eyedropper instead of a fire hose. From the margins, wearing not priestly robes, but garments of the lowly, channeling Elijah, John calls everyone, everyone to repent and to turn their lives Godward. The kingdom of of God is at hand, he says. Touchable. God is is so near. Not just in Jerusalem, but right here, right now. The gate of heaven is everywhere. And the amazing thing is that all of Jerusalem comes out to hear his message out in Coatesville. 
You see, the temple's religious industrial complex is failing them, and they are voting with their feet. Just as they do in every generation. So what are you waiting for? John cries out to all of them. To every pauper, prince, pilgrim, and priest. Be baptized and washed clean of your old, tired ways of living. And the beauty of his new ritual, baptism, not circumcision anymore, is that now it includes the other half of the human race. Women can now participate. And we know this wild and crazy man is from God because he shares God's special concern for the poor. Whoever has two coats must share one of them, he says, and do the same with all of your food. Share, share, share. Open your hands. But thank goodness, as John himself makes so abundantly clear, he's only the warm-up band. (laughs) And thank goodness for that, because John is all truth and precious little grace. Did you notice that? He's like a one-man truth commission. And everything he says is about vipers and axes and unquenchable fire. You wouldn't want that guy as your pastor. A child is coming. Isaiah tells us three times. Did you notice that? God's love and justice are about to be incarnated, born into our world through a little vulnerable child. And from this child we will receive grace upon grace upon grace. This one to come will show us that God's presence is in every place. And God's image is in every one. This one will tear down every dividing wall of hostility and do away with every restricted courtyard. And bring us all into full communion, finally, with God and each other. So friends, what are we waiting for? God is so near. Closer than we are to ourselves. The gate of heaven is everywhere. And this whole wide world, so broken, so beautiful. This world is God's temple. 
Amen.